Chapter 1 Horace St. John Linfield, the fifth Duke of Blackmore, had been referred to as the Bachelor Duke for most of his life. That is, until, after many years at sea with the Royal Navy, he returned to his ducal seat of Blackmore, Bedfordshire, to find that the nephew who was set to inherit his title was not fit for purpose, not fit at all. "'He writes poetry, Rowley,' his grace spat, after the diabolical meeting with Dudley Linfield, his heir apparent. "'And he wishes to travel the continent learning how to paint!' Rowley, Blackmore's ever-faithful valet, who at sixty-nine was but one year younger than his master, raised his eyebrows in horror. "'Oh, dear,' Rowley said. "'This would not do. The Blackmores were an ancient military family. They could trace their lineage back to the Norman Conquest.' Every generation of Blackmore men since William the Conqueror's reign had left the fields of England rusty red with the blood of their enemies. Not one had written a poem, not even a ballad or a nursery rhyme, and they most certainly did not paint. I shall have to fetch myself a wife. The Duke of Blackmore's mouth was a grim line. He instructed Rowley to fetch some parchment and began to dictate his requirements. Young, he stated, which Rowley duly scribbled down. A good stock, wide hips, a comely face, and a sizeable dowry. The Duke of Blackmore scratched his chin, wondering if there was perhaps something else he should want in a wife, but having covered what he deemed the essentials, he could think of nothing else besides what he had already requested. That is all, Rowley. Once the list was decided, the order for a bride was sent to Blackmore's man of business in London, who delivered the young woman in question to Bedfordshire not a fortnight later. Tabitha Tibby Beaufort, the new Duchess of Blackmore, was the third daughter of Lord Beaufort, Earl of Wells. She had just turned eighteen, and was quite the beauty, with soft blonde curls, china-blue eyes, and unblemished porcelain skin. She arrived at Blackmore Manor shaking with fear and nerves. Her mother's promises that a man of Blackmore's age would have no desire for much in the bedroom ringing in her ears. Her mother was quite wrong. With the steely determination of a man who had conquered nations on behalf of his king, Blackmore set out nightly to beget himself an heir. Tabitha, much horrified by the bedroom gymnastics her septuagenarian husband was performing, wrote to her mother beseeching her advice. A curt note arrived a week later, in which mother instructed daughter to stand on her head after his grace had finished his business, to allow gravity to aid in conception. And so, after two months of ratting, as the Duke called it, and headstands that left the Duchess red-faced, a child was conceived. "'All looks healthy, Your Grace,' said Dr. Elliot, a dashing young surgeon brought down from London to confirm the blessed event. "'Can I still be expected to perform my wifely duties?' Tabitha asked, a blush rising prettily on her cheeks. Oh, there's no harm for the minute, Dr. Elliot blustered. In fact, it's believed to be quite healthy for both parties to engage in regular exercise. Dr. Elliot was cut off by the small white hand of the Duchess curling around his wrist, with alarming strength for such a petite girl. I beg of you, Doctor, Tibby said, gazing up at him with eyes as blue as the Cornish Sea. Do not tell my husband that. Tell him I am not to be disturbed for the whole of my confinement. Dr. Elliot, being a Cornish man by birth, 
was rather taken by the blue-eyed beauty, so he chivalrously informed the duke that his wife was not to be disturbed. "'I will attend to her personally, Your Grace,' he solemnly swore. And so the nine months of Tabitha's confinement, locked away in the west wing of the manor being attended to by Dr. Elliot, were to be the happiest months of her marriage. On the first day of December, 1784, Tibby felt the first stabs of labour pain. The whole house was thrown into chaos. For twelve hours she laboured in the west wing, while her husband knocked impatiently on the door every five minutes to inquire if a boy had been sighted. "'If you don't stop bloody knocking, I'll stuff him back inside me to spite you, you miserable bust! "'Oh!' Those were the first words that Michael Robert Horatio Linfield, now the Earl of Bedfordshire until he inherited his father's title, heard as he made his debut into the world.' 